Has your mom said she's never moving from her house, but you worry she might need assistance at some point? Do you worry about safety, but also about having that conversation? I'm your host, Valerie Borgman, and today we're talking about guilt. That guilt you might already be feeling, or the guilt you might be anticipating. I'm excited to welcome Amanda Kirilenko of Cadence Living in Kent, Washington, as we take a closer look at why moving to senior living is such a difficult decision and why it might be a great one. Every family dynamic is different, of course, but one common theme is the family member that's assisting in making the decision is definitely guilt, feeling that they're betraying maybe an earlier promise or earlier commitment that they've given their parents. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Senior Living, a podcast for sons, daughters, grandkids, and spouses who suddenly find themselves tangled in the search for senior living and care. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and check out our doable download in today's show notes for a printable summary of the show and a bonus tip from our guest. You're listening to our doable tips, short answers to your questions. Don't see your question listed? Send us a note. Then don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an answer. What would you say is the number one question that families ask you the most? Certainly one of the most popular would be, how do I know it's time? How do I know they're ready to make that move? Yeah, I I think that's definitely an important question. Where do you think that question comes from for families? Why do you think it's so difficult? Every family dynamic is different, of course, but one common theme that I've noticed is that the family member that's assisting in making the decision for for their parent to move into a senior living home or community is definitely guilt, feeling that they're betraying maybe an earlier promise or earlier commitment that they've given their parents. Yeah, I definitely see that. It's sometimes when the power of attorney, someone's been designated as that decision maker, they don't want to come across as too over authoritative and being the one that finally makes that makes that move. So, okay. So let's look at this a little bit deeper because I think it is something that I'm going to say 90% of the families that I work with have it, but nobody wants to talk about it. It's so true. They get into their emotions of it all. Maybe their mom and dad said early in life because of something they witnessed their parents go through. You know, our senior communities of today are not the same as, as yesteryear's. You know, it's not the person in the hallway strapped to a gurney screaming for someone to help and rescue them. It's really geared towards them. We've come so far and and so many strides at making this the most desirable for these later years. And I think a lot of times the lack of knowledge with that and kind of where it's stemming from, where that deep desire to not be put into one of those places, I'm using quotes, you know, one of those places. Our listeners can't see, but we are using air quotes. Air quotes. <laughs> so, you know, that's a real misconception, unfortunately. You're absolutely right. For most seniors, when they were dealing with putting their parents somewhere to get assistance, it was like a nursing home. It was a nursing home. Like that hospital setting. With fluorescent lights and linoleum floors. Yes. Those types of things. Yes. Yeah. And smells. Exactly. And so if they have not 
had the opportunity to visit friends in the communities of today, (laughs) then you're right. They still have that perception that it is something completely different. And also, they were probably dealing with their own guilt at the time. Absolutely. Think of the seniors today and where they were. And that was when the women entered the workforce. Everyone wasn't staying at home like they were, you know, trying to take care of that of that family unit. So there was a lot of things that this generation went through that we're, wit- we're witnessing, you know, the repercussions of not to put it in a negative context or just the effects of. Yeah, absolutely. I also hear a lot of times they'll say, um, oh, that's just somewhere you go to die. Yes. You know, that it's all downhill from there. Um, and that just makes me so sad. And, and on another level, I get to show them wrong, <laughs> you know, wrong. That's not it. We're going to inspire and hopefully encourage socialization and maybe even take on some new things. Yeah, exactly. It's funny because I think that, yes, I have definitely heard that one. And also I don't want to lose my independence Mm -hmm. where actually moving into this community setting, you can gain some Mm -hmm. independence back because you're not worrying about the house. You're not worrying about the yard, you know, or making meals. So you actually have maybe more time to pursue those new things. Absolutely. It's liberating in a sense. Um, Change is always hard. And I think that is what creates some of the fear that, you know, is, is, is based on it between, you know, marriage, divorce, moving, the loss of a loved one. Those are all the most impactful things in our life. So choosing the best attitude and putting your best foot forward is always going to help immeasurably when experiencing something new. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny too, because we are not really close to this happening for ourselves, right? (laughs) No, we are not. Not to give our age, but (laughs) we (laughs) we don't qualify (laughs) yet. And and so it's, it's funny because... You know, we're we're having this conversation and we've been on the other side. And so we've kind of seen it, but family members haven't actually experienced it. They're like us, right? The adult children, they haven't experienced it either. And and all they're hearing, you know, from their parents is I'm gonna die in my house. I am never moving, or even if it's a couple, oftentimes one uh, one person, one spouse will be the one really digging their heels in and saying, "I am not moving from my home." Mm-hmm. And so it, I, you know, one day you and I might be there, right? We we are going to be the ones, <laughs> and I think that probably everyone would agree that yeah, you know, it's it's hard to leave your home that you're familiar with and that you have those memories. What are some sort of strategies that you use to help families help their mom or dad make that transition? Yeah, that's a good question. So when the the person that's moving into the community is pretty independent, they usually make that decision. They need some type of assistance. It makes it a little, you know, it's more need-based. A lot of people want to wait until something catastrophic happens a fall or someone, you know, exits their house in the middle of the night. I try to really inform them what is a need and what isn't. And just because they are getting by at home, okay, doesn't mean that it's not time. 
that they couldn't be experiencing all that the communities have to offer. We always say, I want to make, I want someone living and thriving at their highest level. And also, Valerie, another good point is transitions are, they're easier when someone is not in a dire situation. Yeah. Right. They're able to adapt, um, learn where the room is, you know, make these changes in this transition so much better. And it has such a more positive effect when it's not a critical moment that something's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And you said something I think that's really important. You talked about the difference between a need Mm -hmm. and a want. I think that's what you said. Mm -hmm. Can, can you actually list out some of those? Oh, sure. So for, um, someone that maybe is in their home and a lot of times we see, um, a couple that the spouse has declined or has higher needs. And then you have the more able-bodied spouse trying to compensate for that. This is really dangerous. Say the gentleman's ailing and the wife is caregiving it's going to take one fall or her catching him one time. A lot of times if someone has dementia and they're exit seeking, that would be an automatic time to move. So anytime they're not able to provide all their meals, they're reliant on other people for those things, or they're caring for someone else that may put them in a precarious situation. I would recommend a move for all of those. You know, what's so interesting about that is that is oftentimes guilt with the one spouse that's independent. Oh, they love this person more than anybody on the planet other than their kids. And they've been together 55 years. And she said she would take care of this man till she died. And it's a real eye opener that she can't physically do it. And it's probably one of the harder, it's one of the harder things to walk a family through is getting on the same page with that. You don't love them less. You're not giving up. You're not scathing on your commitment with them. You really are doing what's best for them, for you in this situation. Yeah, exactly. And I, there, I think there are just so many um, really important points, even in, just in that example, because a lot of times what we hear are things, either the spouse is just sort of explaining it like they're tired like a lot of times they're, I think they're downplaying a little bit, maybe about how much it's affecting. I would agree with that because they don't, they don't always even account for the emotional toll that it's taking on them. Yes. You can see the physical effects. I can see the dark circles under the eye, the tired, the slurring, but what you, as you walk with this family and move this process forward, the doors start to open a little more and you can see how emotionally drained they really, really are. They've been holding on for a year and that's where the blessing comes in that you get to give them an alternative and gain that freedom back. Like you said earlier. It's interesting to me because I would say a lot of times what it really boils down to is that guilt factor Mm -hmm. and that's, but, but it's sort of buried under, you know, these other reasons that we're Mm -hmm. trying to negotiate the situation or trying to downplay the situation. And so I think what you said earlier is really important. And that is the safety factor because that gets overlooked. It does. Yeah. Because of that negotiation, because of, you know, I can do it. I said I would do it. (laughs) Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I, like I said, I want to stay home no matter what. One of my favorite stories was I had a lunch tour and this very lovely 
middle 80s something gal (laughs) came for lunch and she had to be escorted by holding on. She was not going to use her walker in the dining room. (laughs) And so she had to hang on. No, those are for old people. Yes, that's exactly what she said. We sat down to lunch and she goes, well, honey, I don't I don't belong here. These are all old people. They were all her age. So, you know, and so, yeah, so it's also perception too. And and what we think we can do. And I think that's the part that you and I will be there someday and it'll be just as hard for us too. And, and maybe just having even just a small understanding of these feelings and is it, is it really wanting to stay home for your spouse? Is it guilt? Is it physically being unable to provide the care like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the the reasons? All of that being said though, I do think it is really hard for adult children too sometimes. You know, and and that's kind of where we started is the guilt that they have mm-hmm. of even touring. Like a lot of times we'll say, oh, and how does your mom feel? And they'll be like, she doesn't know I'm here. <laughs> I get that a lot. <laughs> A lot. And, and on one hand, that's, that's okay. This process is, is sometimes longer than you might expect so that we can unpack those emotional layers and, and that's okay too. Everyone needs to hold a hand to walk through the process. And that's where your compassion and your empathy and letting them process it at their speed needs to really you know, we need to sometimes, you know, we have to remind ourselves, it's almost like you're a counselor. You let them speak to you, you know, and get it all out and and being just aware of how much we need to listen to what they're feeling. Yeah. And sometimes that's tears and sometimes that's anger. I remember another resident that was, I believe it was, she had eight daughters, (laughs) if I'm remembering correctly. Oh my. And And they're, and they're all and they're all sharing the durable power of attorney. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you what, they were all sharing the guilt because Aww. she loved to tell the story about how she was so mad at her girls for moving her into this assisted living. And keep in mind, she was assisted living. So she was fully cognitive. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. nobody like, you know, there was no court order, right, written, right. <laughs> you know, moving her in, but still in her mind, her perception was that her girls made her move in. But then after a while, she, she said it took her, you know, several months mm-hmm. and then she was thanking them Aww. and she was wishing she would have done it sooner. And so it, it is a really tough decision, but I do think the other side of it whether there are a lot of care needs or not, the other side of it is is what you were talking about earlier, where you get to meet new people mm-hmm. and you get to maybe try new things that you wouldn't have tried before. And 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 yeah, from crafts to you know, and activities to cooking classes to you know, musical instruments. I mean, there's just a plethora of things to be engaged in if one so chooses, and I hope they do. So Amanda, what would you say would be your number one doable tip for families that are in this position of feeling really guilty about a transition? I would say determine if it really is that safety factor. If that's the factor, then you know that you, you know, you have to make a move. It takes the choice out of it. If there is still a choice, open communication, expressing 
the reason behind this is of love and give them a little time, let them process and then be really open with them about the alternative. What does that look like? She stays here and then you wait until she's 92 and then you try and move her. Be really open, um, realistic. And maybe that's just how I am. If, if you know what you have to do, you have to stand up and be that son or daughter that that's going to keep their parents safe. And if, and if you've got a little time, fine, but have that realistic conversation with them of what comes next. Today's episode is brought to you by Cadence Senior Living, bringing an upbeat, modern tempo to their communities. Their symphony program boasts a holistic approach to community involvement with the goal of changing the way future generations view the aging process. At Cadence, life is in the key of beautiful. Check out this episode's doable download in show notes for details, including industry terms and definitions we discussed, as well as a bonus tip from our guest. Have questions or your own tips to share? Leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, make it doable.